0: All right i'm gonna start are you ready uh maybe i have
1: three dogs in my apartment right now so i apologize if they start barking happens all the time we are a dog friendly podcast here we go we're gonna get kooky <laughs> hip hop, hop hop happy hippie witchy not bitchy witch witchy witch we do it every day hey Yay. magic with a k treating naysayers to some sad Teaching witch haters, they can kiss our ass. We know as above, so below, so we go. To no to dare, to will, to be. Shh. Magic's not a destination. It's our natural orientation. Magic's who we are. Made of space. You're a star. Magic's what we do, me and you. Whoop-a-doo. Hippie Witch, season two. Man, that, that was a good one. Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 467 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe and I am the groovy creatrix behind Kick-Ass Witch, Putting the K in Magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and All That Good Shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com. Or back on the description page for this episode back on Blog Talk Radio, where you will also find links to Sable McDoolett, Finding the Beat. She is our patron of the month for August, so there will be an interview with her later on in this episode, and you will find a link to a podcast that you may or may not be familiar with called Magic Mondays. Magic Mondays. Magic Mondays. (laughs) I think this is the second to last episode of season three. I meant to end it with this episode, but what I would like to do first is kind of do the first six months of quarantine life roundup, and I want to talk about the things that have been getting me through the very strange, frightening circumstances that we find ourselves in while keeping my joy intact, having fun with my kid, it takes me much, 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 much longer to do all the things that I used to do, at least twice as long to do most of the things that I used to do because my kid is here now all the time and I'm the person who has to manage his online classes. He gets bored. I just don't like to see him sitting out there by himself with no friends or family. So I will go hang out with him and give him attention because this is what's happening right now. And so, you know, these this whole idea of doing seasons with Hippie, which has been hilarious. <laughs> Not at all how I imagined it. I will state again, for those of you who have been hanging with me for a while, you probably can say it with me at this point, because I've said it a few times. The intention was to go six weeks on, six weeks off, six weeks on, six weeks off. I think we're going to get there at some point. (laughs) Just not today. Just not today. So it's a little hit or miss. Sometimes I show up, sometimes I don't. I've already been planning for season four. There is a new song A new theme song written for season four. I get a lot out of doing this. I find it extremely fun. I don't care if it's silly. I don't care if my songs suck. I really, really like making a new song for each season. So that's done. And I can't wait to share that with you. And then I've already been setting up interviews. So I think season four will start me somewhere in September But first, I have to do I have to do the quarantine life stuff You know, you find things When you order a lot of your groceries online You try new things that you might not find in your grocery store There's been a lot of music happening So I want to share some of my favorite songs Silly stuff like that Maybe helpful stuff But for now, today, we're going to be talking about light As a neutral force. And this is very much inspired by the month long conversation that we just had on Patreon. Part of the reason that I haven't been able to show up as frequently here on the public podcast is because I have a commitment to Patreon. I show up every weekend there and I make a new piece of content. Sometimes, Sometimes I even make more than one (laughs) piece of content. But the way that that has worked this year, 2020, is we decided to work our way through Christopher Pensacks, The Inner Temple of Witchcraft. We're not really studying the book together. We're just going through it chapter by chapter. So people who want to use it as a study program, they can. And then the rest of us, we're just going chapter by chapter as an inspiration for the month's theme. So this month, the chapter that we were working with is called The Power of Light. And I just want to say, I've never invited Christopher Penzak on the show. And I think it's because Christopher Penzack, his book, The Inner Temple of Witchcraft, that book alongside Marianne Greene's A Witch Alone, those were the books that I used as my study guides when I did a year and a day. I did an official year and a day. I wanted to go through an initiation process, and I actually did the Inner Temple of Witchcraft online, on YouTube, publicly with a group called, I think we were called Journey Through the Inner Temple. And so a group of us, we would make a video for each chapter it no longer exists you can't find it but we went through it it was an awesome experience and now we're doing it again and I still have not invited Christopher Pinzak on the show and I'm sharing that with you to call myself out because I should totally do that I think the reason I haven't so far is because I admire him I respect him I look up to him, and I think I've been a little bit shy about it. And that's silly, because I've had a lot of people on the show that I respect and admire and look up to. So I just need to get over it and reach out, because I think he'd be an amazing guest. If you've never gone through the Inner Temple of Witchcraft, it's such a cool... Interesting introduction if you're new to magic, but I also think it's great if you're a person that has been in this game for a long time and you just want to return to the basics or reestablish your foundation. It's laid out in a genius way. Every chapter builds on the next. So he teaches you something that is then going to help you in the next chapter when he is explaining the next thing. They're like building blocks. So it's been great using that, again, using that as a jumping off point for other conversations that we're having. But we try to stay on theme. And this month was different because light. I don't know how this happened. How did we get here? It's controversial now to talk about light to talk about love, especially when you put those two things together, love and light. I totally understand why that turns some people off because it's become synonymous with spiritual bypass and a lot of thought leaders, let's call them, authors, I don't know what to call them. A lot of people who are very visible in the new age space that promote love and light tend to promote this Spiritual bypass where you just never look in the shadows. You never deal with your shit. And it can be very fluffy. And that is not what most people who gravitate toward witchy things are looking for. We want a way to process our shadows. We want a way to empower ourselves. So I get that. But I still don't understand what the urgency is to just throw it out altogether. And so... Until further notice, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I won't be saying love and light together anytime soon because of those associations. But I'm all about the love. I love life. I love people. I wish love for people. To feel love. To experience love. People feel good when they love love what they do for a living. They feel good when they love their home. They feel good when their families love them. We feel really great when we're giving love, even more sometimes than when we receive it. Like, love is a thing, dude. I ain't gonna stop talking about love. (laughs) And then light, light, I mean, hello, light. The light of the sun, let's just take it there. It is life-giving, it is life-taking. Our world literally revolves around a gigantic light ball. (laughs) So that is why light, it's healing. It's destructive, but it's also healing. That is why we send light. That is why we harness light and channel light and use light to heal ourselves and other people. How can you be a witch and not work with light? Shadow work is being a light worker. And then same thing with love. Like, love is healing. I feel like we all know that innately. And I feel like we do our community a disservice when we attack and make fun of and harass people who are speaking to that, particularly if their intentions are good, whether you agree with them or not. I think it's okay to talk about these things and have conversations, especially if you think that harm is being done, but you can't have a conversation with somebody if you're being a bully. (laughs) Conversations are a two-way street. So I'm totally open to using new language, but I'm also not going to shame people for Using the old language because it works. It works for them. And, and I just have too many woo-woo friends who are very love and light and I'm a star seat. There are those types of people and they're also so kind and so generous and so cool. I would never try to make them feel like shit for being who they are. Maybe that's because I'm a person who gets shit for being who I am. There are plenty of people who have been suspicious of my buoyant personality my entire life. (laughs) It is the thing that has annoyed people about me since birth, I suppose. And some of the darkest, most unhappy periods of my life are when I tried to hide that. I tried to hide it under a bushel. No, I'm gonna let it shine, you know. I tried to do that and it sucked and it wasn't any fun and I wasn't serving anyone. I think we can all only serve from the place that we are, as the people that we are, with the gifts that we are given. And this is what I got, people. This is all I can give because it's all I got. I am naturally joyful. I am optimistic. I love to lift other people up. I like to help people find solutions. I am very, very bouncy and happy and silly. That is not spiritual bypass. It is not. I'm sorry, but it just is not. I've got my shit. I've got my challenges. I deal with them. That's what shadow work is for. That's what friends are for. That's what asking for help is for. That's what a good cry on the phone to your sister is for. But I'm always going to process my stuff and then move forward and be like, okay, what's next? I'm not a person who wants to live in the darkness all the time. I'm not... I'm not, I'm not spiritually goth, okay? So if you are, <laughs> this might not be the show for you. It just might not be, and that's okay. That's okay. We can have differences of opinions. We can have different perspectives. They're born of different experiences. How can we not? So that brings me around to my original point, which was Christopher Pinsack was writing about the power of light in that book, because he was exploring light as a tool for magic. How to send light to people to heal them, for example. And my mind was still kind of stuck on this idea of like love and light. And how sensitive people are to that kind of language now. And what it means. And I, I've i just been processing this. And... Coming to some conclusions of my own. So a lot of what I'm going to say here today is probably just going to be a lot of that. But before I forget, before I get into another line of rambling, I must thank the very nice people who make this podcast and all the work that I do possible. And I'm including... The cat poop that I scoop, and the yard that I water, and the groceries that I buy, all the things. If you are supporting the show on Patreon, thank you so much. If you've ever supported the show on Patreon, thank you so much. I want to thank new patrons, Shay Sharp, Valkyrie Ishaya, and Allison Crosby. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Dig in. There's so much content over there. Just start wherever you feel like it and make sure that you go over to Discord to meet the community because they're amazing. I cannot emphasize that enough. Those people make my life so much better and I think they make each other's lives better. It's just... I don't know how I got so blessed to fall into this group of people that are so kind and generous and supportive. It's one of the great blessings of my life. It's the love of my life, one of the loves of my life. You know Tanner Golf baldivate will always be number one. (laughs) But I have to say, the Heavy Witch community is up there. Okay, so let's get into talking about light as a neutral force. If you understand the Hermetic Principles... If you understand polarity, if you understand the principle of neutrality, I feel like this might make sense to you. Light is neither good nor bad. I will sometimes say that someone has so much light or there's such a light in the world because they're bright and energetic and life-giving. They lift people up just by being themselves. I feel like that's a fairly universal understanding of what it means to be a light In the world, like light as a metaphor in that context, it's useful and it's timeless. You will find it in cultures all around the world. Light as a representative of God, goodness, salvation, positivity. I doubt that if we dig back through history, we will find the use of its opposite in the same way. The word Dark is generally not used to promote or celebrate a beloved leader, for example. He was such a dark president. His darkness was a beacon of hope for us all. (laughs) So there's that. I'm not about to argue with that fairly universal meaning because it makes sense enough. However, from a psycho-spiritual perspective... I sometimes find it more helpful to look at light through the lens of neutrality, light as a neutral force, neither good nor bad. And from that point of view, it's all in how you use it. Then it becomes empowering. Then it's a matter of choice. And I don't mean light as empowering In the way that some people might interpret it as like, shove down all your shame. Shove down the parts of yourself that others won't like. Hide the parts of yourself that are maybe not socially acceptable and put on a pleasing facade. Pretend that everything's okay. Smile! That, I think, is what people find irritating about love and light, and that is not what I am talking about when I say when we talk about light as a neutral force, it empowers you to make a choice. I'm saying you're a light whether you know it or not. You're a light whether you like it or not. (laughs) I find it helpful to think of each soul as its own light, and each light can then be focused or dimmed, or maybe even snuffed out, or amplified, or directed in myriad ways. It could be through reflection, by contrast, by cooperation, two lights working together or brighter than one. And, you know, there's that cliché, the timeless cliché, that lighting one flame can light millions Lighting one candle can light millions, or it can burn everything to the ground. So an evil person by this perspective can also be bright, energetic, and life-giving, but in an evil way. Their light absolutely empowers something. But what? (laughs) What does it empower? It might empower those who crave an outlet or a permission slip For the fear and the hate and the greed that they carry around inside themselves to let it out. And like moths to a flame, those who are vulnerable to certain triggers related to those hidden aspects of their shadow, those people are drawn toward a light like that. Their fear and hate and greed step out of the shadows and into the magical light of acceptance. And then that evil person's light burns brighter because it is joined by the collective, which draws more of like kind. And pretty soon you have fear-based authoritarianism, war, genocide, all the things one bright charismatic leader can inspire. Hitler was one of those lights. He was Time Magazine's Man of the Year in 1938. And guess who was Time Magazine's Man of the Year in 1939? Joseph Stalin. Yes, the positive light of Hitler and Stalin. If it wasn't positive, what was it? Maybe it was proof that light is a neutral force, a neutral power absent of any moral value until it is channeled through A human vessel. Like those infamous men had extraordinary charisma, or they wouldn't have been able to do the things that they did. And what is charisma? It's hard to define, but it might be compared to light. In addition to that, both Hitler and Stalin also had conviction and focus. It was that combination, I believe, that brought their light into focus like a laser of mass destruction. It was creative. But what it created was suffering and despair for many to benefit the chosen special few. Those chosen special few were bathing in the light of Hitler at the expense of others. And that makes light a big responsibility. And if you are a being of light, if your soul is a light, just by virtue of being here, you have that responsibility. You've been given the creative power of light. So what are you going to do with it? And that doesn't mean that you need to lead anybody to anything or stand for anything in particular. (laughs) It's just a call to recognize that you are a creative being and your light matters and you actually have the free will to decide what to focus upon and who to gravitate toward if, and this is where shadow work comes in, if you have self-awareness, if you live in the shadows, if you've never even thought about why you do the things you do. You've never explored something maybe like shadow work or therapy or any number of tools that we have to dig in and find out what makes us who we are. If you've never done anything like that, you do not have a choice. You're going to act out whatever programs were instilled in you and knock on wood, I hope they were ones that don't hurt other people. There are so many people who do not share our psycho- spiritual proclivities like people who have been so thoroughly indoctrinated into their bubble into their community's established dogma that they are nowhere near ready to even think about questioning any part of it much less the bright enduring light at its center the light of their dear leader this land is our land it is not your land so you get off it or we'll kill your family That song sounds so good when it falls on ears that belong to people who believe that the life that they were promised, the glittering, shiny promises they grew up on, it was not delivered. Their American dream, the dream of ease and privilege, and if you want it, you can have it all, that dream let them down. It let them down in the most fundamental ways, and now they they have to suffer to make ends meet. And the kicker is, they are then told by one of these bright, shining lights of hatred that their dream was stolen, that it was taken by the others. They are the victims of the others. And if they do not get rid of the others, the others will surely take more. And look, there they are now, taking our women with their clever beats and loose hips. It's like that sometimes and sometimes it's as simple as like it or not you're the new girl and this is a small town your light is new here and it has not yet entrained to the local glow so it stands out which is the only reason the hot sparkly vampire is staring at you and not me okay bella god (laughs) the vampire the vampire the vampire himself is an enduring light he's a red light of blood and sex And we fear him, even as we're secretly wondering if there is a way to bathe in his sexy red light without dying. Because that would be awesome. And then, of course, dearly beloved, we all know what light prince liked to make love to, don't we? And if you don't know, I'm so sorry about that. But if you do know, I invite you now to sing. I'll be standing naked with nothing but a smile on blue light. Can you turn on a blue light? Everything will be all right. You and me all night long. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Prince, there was a light. And his light was a light that is catching. Like, how many times has a Prince song changed your whole vibe, your entire state of being? Is it fair to say that when a Prince song, a certain Prince song, your Prince song, when it unexpectedly comes on the radio, it lights you up, right? You're just minding your own grumpy business, making your way through the produce aisle, and before you even know what's happened, you're rocking out with the peaches. Dig, if you will, a picture. You can't help it. You can't deny it. Of you and I engaged in a kiss. Prince's sexy might be blue, but his reign is purple. And so you know what that means. <laughs> what color does one mix with blue when one wants to make purple? Hmm. I had some fun with this on Patreon this month. Riffing on the way that our personal light shines through a unique lens and I compared those lenses to colored filters and I thought for sure I was going to confuse everyone with this metaphor I like to work with in my own personal practice which is really it started out really just as a thought experiment that turned out to be really helpful for one person for me (laughs) and then it just stuck because it was useful but I didn't know how relatable it would be to other people. However, they did seem to like it, enough so that I now feel emboldened to share an excerpt of that exploration here with you today. So just keep in mind that this was recorded at the height of a major heat wave, and all the windows were open, and a very loud fan was running, so you will hear all of that. I didn't think it was worth trying to... Re-record what I said with better sound because I didn't think that I could recapture the original energy of that moment so here it is lovingly presented as is okay so what I'm going to share is it's not a scientific fact Mainly it's a mindset. It's a paradigm that has personally benefited me. It's helped me be a kinder, more deliberate person. And so maybe it might also be helpful for you just so long as you know that this is not a spiritual teaching. It is a spiritual share. It's a spiritual share and it requires a bit of imagination. It mainly asks that You use your imagination to picture yourself as a creative being of light. I know some people believe what I'm about to say is a fact. For me, it's just a paradigm that I work with. So if you think what I'm about to say, you're like, yeah, no, that's actually how the universe works. Awesome. That is awesome. That is very powerful. I think it's also super useful as a paradigm, which is how I'm presenting it here. If we frame our existence in that way, like we are creative beings of light having a human experience, that's often said that we are spiritual beings having a human experience. I am dialing down on what spiritual means to me as a witchy person, as a person who believes in magic. I'm a creative being of light and darkness if if we frame our existence this way like we are creative beings of light having a human experience it doesn't make sense to equate light only with love and and that brings us to the whole love and light debate which i've already addressed multiple times so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into all that here today except to say live and let live and if love and light is your thing that is awesome if you call yourself a light worker or an indigo child or a star seed more power to you my take is a little bit different although I think there's enough overlap in our beliefs to keep us all <sighs> entertained. <laughs> Did that make it into the microphone? That was my little ASMR moment. Opening a peach-flavored sparkling water beverage. Okay, so in our community, I think, if not all of us, I think probably most of us would say that it does not make sense to equate light only with love because light is a neutral force. It's only as good... Or as bad as the filter that it's shining through, and each of us, each of our individual egos, is a filter. Your human persona is your filter. And you know, your human persona is made up of so many different things, including the programming that you grew up in. It's the lens through which light shines in both directions. It's the lens through which light passes in and out. So if your lens is one of love, for example, if you're wearing rose-colored glasses, you're receiving the light of other people and experiences through the lens of love. If you filter every interaction through a lens of mistrust or greed, that colors your experience of life it colors your interpretation of it your reaction to it and what you put back into it the light of compassion a personal light filtered through a lens of compassion might interpret someone who is being impatient and rude at the grocery store as someone who is showing signals of distress Whereas someone else might see that person in a completely different way because their filter is stuck on fight mode. So their impatient and rude behavior is an invitation to rumble. It's a fight. (laughs) That's because just as light itself is neutral, our personal light is neutral, the light of our attention. When we direct it on purpose, our lives become magical. If we aren't aware that it is being filtered through some weird old program that has created in us a hair-trigger temper, then we will color every experience through that lens until we until we realize, like, hmm, not everybody reacts to this in this way. Not everybody is looking at the world through this particular lens, which can be hard to see because... Chances are, if you're looking at the world through that particular lens, you're looking at the world through that particular lens because that's how you were raised. That's the lens that your family viewed the world or a parent that you really connected with or admired or feared. A lot of times, it's interesting. The parent that we fear, we end up adapting that behavior. So, oftentimes... These filters, these colored lenses, keep in mind this is just a metaphor, it's just a mindset, it's just a paradigm, but these lenses are put in place when we are very, very young in a way that makes it hard to see they're there. Because the world has always been pink. Is the world not pink? Is everything not filtered through pink? Because I'm pretty sure it is. But over here, like Mr. Blue is like, no, everything is slightly blue. What are you talking about over there, Miss Pink? I don't mind framing it as light and love when I'm talking about being a light in the world, for example. I feel like most people know what that means, even though technically what I'm saying here, everyone is a light. Everyone is a light. We're just shining light on different things and from different perspectives, and this is why I think it's really important to be mindful of what you're putting your attention on, especially when this little light box that we're now staring into so much of our day is designed to grab our attention and hold on to it and not let it go. (laughs) I think there's so a war for our attention going on and we are not even aware that it's happening because it feels so good it's so pleasant it's so pleasant to have these algorithms confirming and validating who we are and showing us all the things that we love because it has been learning how to respond to the light of our attention this is something that. I talk about it a lot. It's a little bit of a pet interest of mine, so sorry to sneak it in here again, but I have to. I have to. This is something that clever marketers and religion, political propaganda operations, this is something they have learned to harness as a means to their ends, a means to their own desired ends the mission of the corporation, the mission of the government, the mission of the religion, they have learned to harness our attention because they know that our attention is power. It is our creative light concentrated like a spotlight or a laser on the object of our focus. And these corporate and commercial and government and religious entities have found really smart ways to use to use that to keep us in line, to keep us entertained, to shape our world view, and most importantly, to sell us things. Yay! <laughs> and light loves light, so they bust out their magical clickbait laser pointer, and like a bunch of cats, we're kept busy for hours chasing the promise of that intriguing dot around the room. One day, I'm gonna catch the light. I know I'm gonna catch it. It's very entertaining. It's very distracting. It can convince you that you're being very, very busy, but you're not really making progress on the dreams of your own heart. You're fulfilling someone else's. And in case I've gone too far out into the weeds with all these metaphors, the key point here is this. You are light. You put out and receive light as information. And when you pay attention to something, you illuminate it. You empower it by the power of your focus, And that is neither good nor bad. It's all in how you use it. If you think of us as beings of light and that each emotion is a lens or a filter, then each emotion becomes a different color of glass through which your fundamental light shines. This is really about paradigms and maybe your aura, but I find it's easier to grasp when you break it down to just basic colors and emotions. Yellow, happy, purple, luxe, brown, earthy. We are emotional beings, and emotional contagion is a thing. Every day of your life among people, whether online or off, it is a thing. We are all emotionally contagious and and catching vibes constantly. This is where the whole being being of light thing this whole idea of us being made of light starts to pay off because if you shine an intense spotlight on a white floor and that light is shining through a blue filter there will be a blue dot on the floor if you shine an intense spotlight that is filtered through yellow right on top of that blue dot it will turn to green and if you shine a red light on blue, the dot will turn purple. As human people, we do this to each other emotionally because we are fundamentally, at least before the trauma sets in, we are fundamentally empathetic. We are hard-wired to be out of necessity. We're tribal. We are community-oriented creatures. And it is in part by our ability to work and live together together that we have survived this long and come this far as a species, at least technologically. So, empathy allows us to communicate without words. We know when our mate is sad, or our best friend is angry, or our baby is tired. We can feel it. Yes, we can also see it in their faces and hear it in their tone of voice, but depending on the situation and the people involved sometimes we can also just feel it emanating off the back of their head without a sound or we can even like sense this from the other room some people say they can sense this like from across the world from the other side of the world they know what their twin sister is feeling at the moment cuz they're feeling it too every engaged parent or life partner probably knows this to some degree. <laughs> like, no sounds have been uttered. No explicit facial expressions have been made. And yet we know our partner is pissed. It's just coming off of them. So it helps me to think of emotional energy this way as colored lights. And I feel like we could get a strong group consensus probably here if i asked for example like what what emotion does the color red typically invoke i would guess that you answered anger i think most people would say anger maybe some people would say sex <laughs> mars energy like if 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 you show somebody A red light. It's going to have a particular meaning to them, and it's probably going to be alarm, anger, arousal, something like that. Peach, lavender, pink, sky blue, those colors are typically seen as very soothing. White feels clean and clear, and green is nurturance. Like color can be, color is. Often universally interpreted but it also can be quite personal depending on your childhood associations with it but in general most people understand this basic language of color Star Wars fans understand this basic language of color they know which color lightsaber to buy if they want to be one of the good guys and they know which color lightsaber means that you have come up against the dark side (laughs) so If you bring it back to this idea of shining colored dots of light against a white floor, you can see how if someone in your space is consistently burning red hot, your cute happy yellow bubble is, if this is someone that you interact with regularly or just once in a really intense way, your cute happy yellow bubble is going to be orange in some places just by interacting and engaging with a red hot light in your space. The places where you two emotionally overlap and, and your friend with the soothing blue filter, like, That friend makes a little green oasis over in this space over here in your yellow happy bubble, and that feels pretty nice. That's pretty okay. If if you only run with your fellow blue lights, everything looks blue. It's like that old saying, like, you are who you hang around with, only in this light-based scenario, it's meant quite literally. Like, your gray touches my orange, and both are changed. There's a lesson here about, to me, about creating like strong psychic boundaries and practicing good spiritual hygiene. And, And then another reason I like to think of us as creative light beings now in this age of the internet is because for many of us, most of our social lives and personal entertainment and even our careers are contained in this little box of light that we carry around with us all day long. And it's really kind of trippy, this little box of light. It's like hanging out on the astral plane. We're just like light bodies hanging out with light bodies and communicating through light and with the light and shining the light of our attention on different issues that fire us up and connecting with other people because we like the way that their light makes our light feel. <laughs> so that's me! And my loud, my big-ass loud fan. (laughs) That's me and my fan on Patreon. I tend to let my guard down more over there and to be more experimental because I feel a different level of trust with that community, and that has allowed me to be more free with my ideas. And in that spirit, here is one more. ...for you all to enjoy and pick apart. Go ahead, pick it apart. (laughs) Since this is the Hippie Witch Podcast, I felt that we should have a witchy example. A witchy example that I hope will resonate. So when I think of each one of us as a light in the context that I have been exploring all month long... ...I can't help but wonder how many folks were accused of witchcraft back in the day... Back when that accusation could cost you untold humiliations, the complete loss of your rights and property, a long, drawn-out stretch of torture, and then finally an excruciating death in public with the kids watching. I wonder how many of the people who met that fate were people who dared to shine just a little too brightly. Their light, just by virtue of shining brightly, was an existential threat to someone else's light, particularly the light of authority, the light of the status quo. If you go into a room that is completely dark and you turn one small nightlight on in one corner, that corner becomes the focal point of the room. Life will gather around it. But if someone walks in and just suddenly flicks on the overhead light, that nightlight's power is greatly diminished. In fact, depending on the strength of the overhead light, it might lose its impact completely. So if you've got a whole village under control because they all believe what the town nightlight is revealing as the gospel truth That's all fine and dandy until one day an equally bright and charismatic light or maybe even a brighter and more charismatic light. An overhead light. (laughs) You never know. A big one. What if a big light strolls through town spreading the good word about, I don't know, maybe the light of Lucifer? Now you've got a challenge on your hands. And if you want to keep the light of the Lord... The good Lord, if you want to keep that light undiluted and pure, you must thoroughly extinguish the light of that heretic, and you must first demonize her message completely, lest you make of her a martyr, as she has already shown her light into the nooks and crannies of your community. And yes, a sudden noise just decided to add another layer We've got another layer to the sound. Listen, (laughs) I'm just a mom. I'm just a mom who records podcasts on a cheap-ass microphone and a laptop, and sometimes my neighbors make noise. One of them right now is pointing a hose at my house. Why? Why? Why are you pointing a hose at my house and spraying my house with water? I don't know, but I can hear it. I can hear it in my headphones. Okay. Okay. They stopped. Let's see if I can get back on track with my line of thinking. We were talking about light. We were talking about light. From my point of view, the reason people go after someone who shines a bright light is because they have forgotten that they themselves are a light. They gather around someone else's because their own light has been dimmed or muddied down. And it makes more sense when you consider... The solar plexus, if you're into the chakra system, the solar plexus, it's typically associated with the color yellow and the sun, and it is your own personal solar power, your energy, an internal fire that is fueled by inspiration and passion. It is the light of willpower, self-esteem, and your ability to act autonomously if the light of your solar plexus has been weakened by an authoritarian upbringing or shame-based discipline or physical abuse, you may find yourself drawn to a light source outside yourself to compensate. Ironically, the very abuse that sets us up that way also tends to lead us to the light of authoritarianism and shame-based ideas In adulthood, we think we're thriving if that external light shines favorably upon us. But when it turns away, we're left helpless. We're left in the dark because we don't know that there is a tiny flame still flickering at our core, waiting for a bit of fuel in the form of esteemable action, maybe, which is a subject for another day. You can probably hear that I enjoy metaphors like this. I really, 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 really do. I love it. I love it. (laughs) I love it so much I'm willing to be confusing in the name of just exploring ideas and symbols and what does it mean to be a light? What does it mean to be a light? And I hope I've made a decent case for how things like that, how this particular metaphor can be practical too. You know, just beyond shooting the shit about philosophy, is it useful? And the larger point here is that being a light is not necessarily about being positive. It's not necessarily about positivity. You are a light in the world. We all are. You are a chip off the old block of the OG creator. You are a living, breathing concentration of light. And whether you know it or not... You are a powerfully creative being, and the light of your attention empowers whatever you focus upon for better or worse. So use that as you will. One witch who shines her light in a way I genuinely admire is Tess Whitehurst, who I've had on the podcast a couple of times. She's a prolific writer on the subject of magic, and she has her own podcast, monday magic which she co-hosts with her lovely friend natasha who is an energy reader and healer and coach and if you're not listening to their podcast already i have a feeling that you soon will be because check this out hey hippie witch listeners it's tess and natasha from magic monday podcast we believe life is magical and we know you do too that's why we think you're going to love Magic Monday Podcasts, which we hear from our listeners is like having coffee with magical friends. We talk about how to navigate and work magic with the unique energies of the week. We answer your questions about the magical spiritual path and lots more. Find Magic Monday podcast wherever you listen to podcasts or visit our site at magicmondaypodcast.com. Ooh, ah, our First commercial, Hippie Witch has a commercial on the podcast, and I'm so into it because, speaking of light, I love shining a light on awesome people. Which brings us finally to my friend, this month's Patron of the Month, Sable McDewit, the kick-ass creatrix behind the lifestyle blog, Finding the Beat, And I have a feeling you all are absolutely going to fall madly head over heels in love with Sable because she leads with so much vulnerability paired with excitement for the dreams in her heart. She has a very long-standing anxiety disorder that manifests itself in a physical way. I'll let her tell you about that. And... Yet she wants to be a rock star in her own unique way. And what I love about what she is doing with Finding the Beat is she's taking people not only on her own journey of moving beyond anxiety to live the life she would like to live as a musician, as a creator, But she's also sharing all kinds of cool tips and tricks that can empower other people. I love community. I feel like that is where it is at. I feel like that is the internet's superpower. Because you can find your people. It doesn't matter what your brand of weird is. You can find your weird online. Weird must stay. It's just so empowering. What I was saying earlier about like, how did I get so blessed to fall into this community of people? I think maybe it's just because I let my freak flag fly and other people are like, no way. (laughs) I also have a freak flag. So I love that Sable is a person who is now doing that for her own community for her own community she's a music lover her passion for music started back in school like high school i think when she played tuba in a marching band and she also is a math nerd she has a bachelor of arts in mathematics with a minor in music she's just such an interesting person and we're going to talk about wigs the wig conversation is very important to stick around for. So without any further ado, here she is. Hello, Sable. Welcome to Hippie Witch. Oh, hello, Joanna. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm excited to be here. It feels like only a few months ago that I was like, how do you pronounce your name? See, I'm like, it's Sable. And now here we are. We've spoken many times and Many times you have blown my mind. You are a person who exceeds expectation. Oh, thank you so much. That means so much. You have no idea. (laughs) It means a lot to me too. Those are the most fun people for me personally to like hang out with, work with, partner on things. I love a good dreamer. And by a good dreamer, I mean somebody who actually puts action behind the dream it they don't just keep it up in their head and you're one of those people yeah I definitely didn't immediately jump
0: onto the dream team because I didn't feel I had a solid enough dream to work on and I didn't want to take up a spot <laughs> so I like waited until I felt ready to join
1: I didn't believe you <laughs> Because you, you led with a lot like saying I have this anxiety disorder, which I definitely want to talk about because it's something that I haven't heard on a podcast yet. I'm sure it exists, but I haven't come across it. And I think it's something that will be very relatable, but I thought, okay, so that's what we're going to work on. We're going to work on anxiety and maybe one day she'll do a thing. And it just hasn't been like that. You're like, do a thing, do a thing, do a thing, do a thing. I'm going to do all the things and it's exciting. Let's tell people where you're doing the things.
0: Yeah, so my website is findingthebeat.com, and it is a blog. It started off, uh, do you want me to go into like detail? Yeah, I'm
1: here. I'm here for it all, Finding the Beat.
0: Yeah, so I started it pre-pandemic. I was taking lessons at this place called School of Rock. It's not the movie, (laughs) and (laughs) Uh, I was having a really great time. I'd been doing it for about two years. And I was like, you know what? I actually want to join a real band like that goes out and performs instead of just jamming once a week. And so I was like, well, I don't really know where to start. I was looking at other blogs online and trying to find research and I couldn't really find great information on how to start. And I decided, well, I guess I'll just wing it and I should probably put out that information there whenever I learn about it. So that's how the blog started. (laughs) And then the pandemic hit and pretty much all opportunities to like network with other people locally dried up because, you know, public health, safety. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I I went cold turkey on it for three months. I kind of just dropped it. Uh, I didn't really know what to do with it. And then you inspired me to uh, just go ahead and write about things that I'm knowledgeable about that I've accrued the information I've accrued through my life and my life experiences. So I kind of repurposed it to be focused on any any creative aspects. For me, personally, that's a lot of UX design, but then there's also music. We have dancers and music producers and all sorts of people I've interviewed so far. But now, so the purpose of the blog is to help people express their creative creativity with confidence and then also be able to learn and share what they've been trying to learn.
1: Yeah, that comes across when you visit your website, you can really feel that mission. And I like that it's it's more of an invitation to go on a journey with you as opposed to I know some things and I'm going to teach you about them. It's more like here's my journey, here's what I've learned and we all can go on this journey together.
0: Yes. And that's definitely the goal. I uh, didn't want to feel like I was talking down to anyone and I wanted it to be very relatable. Like this is where I'm starting. I'm starting from the beginning and I can still accomplish a lot. And that means that you can too. And this is what I've experienced.
1: Mm-hmm. We should definitely, I will never be able to pronounce. No, never say never. I currently <laughs> cannot pronounce this. Is it an anxiety disorder? I
0: guess it is a clinical disorder. It's called trichotillomania. It is anxiety-based. It's sort of a subset of the OCD orders uh, disorders. So it is like a clinical clinically defined disorder. And I started I guess I should explain what it is. Essentially whenever I get anxious, upset, uncomfortable, or I'm dealing with emotions that are maybe possibly not I'm not handling appropriately I start pulling my hair out for me it specifically is my eyebrows and my eyelashes and then sometimes the hair on my head so it just sort of manifests in those very literally pulling my hair out is how I am coping with some uh, uncomfortable emotions.
1: When did that start like when did it become a thing do you remember the first time you did it like did you have an aha moment like you know it's like I chew my cuticles. And one day I was watching TV when I was a little kid and I don't know why I chewed my cuticle, but I was like, Oh my God, I can eat their skin off my hands and it doesn't hurt. And it literally became an addiction. I did it all the time, but I can remember vividly the exact first time I did it.
0: It's interesting that you say that because I do remember the first time I did it, but I also, it wasn't really a problem. The first time I did it, Oh, that was loud
1: that was like the fairy godmother like (laughs) we're talking about something important here people listen up (laughs) but yeah
0: I was I was in elementary school maybe third or fourth grade and I remember another girl was pulling out her eyelashes and I was like that's weird and then I pulled mine out and I was just emulating Mm. and I was like that's so strange I've never thought about pulling my own eyelashes out and it didn't hurt because like at the time, I had a lot of eyelashes, and they were just sort of ready to come out anyways. That was the very first time it happened, around third grade. But it wasn't an addiction or a problem at that point. When it really became a problem was probably around middle school, when I was in sixth grade. And uh, I had just moved to Puerto Rico, my parents and I. So we left the mainland America. We went to live to Puerto Rico for three years and that's really when I started manifesting like a serious problem where it was noticeable. Like I had no eyebrows or eyelashes. My teachers were concerned because I'd get into these very focused sessions whenever I was bored or I didn't need to listen. <laughs> Don't take that advice, kids. Anyways, <laughs> but they would notice and then they brought it up to my parents and then my parents tried to help me work through it.
1: That is a very tense time, I think, in a lot of people's lives, like your middle school years. And that is a time when we are scrutinized physically by our peers. So that must have compounded for you because you're managing anxiety by doing a thing that I'm guessing created more anxiety because it called attention to you. Is that what happened?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's so much attention in our culture on beautiful hair. Like, beautiful hair, whether you admit it or not, is kind of a status symbol. Yeah. And when you're destroying your hair, you're just forcing yourself into that, like, lower status view subconsciously. Whether or not you believe that externally. Subconsciously, I felt like I was internalizing that, and I felt less... I was felt very unpopular, even though I wasn't. I really didn't get bullied, which was nice and lucky. I was very lucky for a child. <laughs> mm, yeah, but, you're easy
1: to get along with. I have to say.
0: No, thank you. Yeah, so I mean, it was a mental trauma that it was definitely self-imposed too, which was, and it was self-perpetuating because it was just cyclical. The more anxiety I had, the more I would do it, and the more terrible I would feel about my image.
1: Yeah, I totally understand that. And then it followed you through high school into your adult years. You are now like a wig model, which (laughs) I love. I love to see your different wigs, even though you you have your own lovely hair. You often wear wigs. And it's shocking what a difference it makes. Like it completely changes what I noticed. It, It changes the way that you look, but it changes your vibe you wore that one wig to that come as you will be party that we had and you were just a completely different person and part of that party was about acting and pretending and and so there was probably some of that but I could just see your your posture changed and it it was just a whole other sable it was fascinating to me
0: oh my gosh I love wigs and those are actually a very new advent into my wardrobe if you want to hear more about that
1: (laughs) yeah of course yes that's why I brought it up definitely tell us about the wigs again I'm into the first time things happen do you remember your first wig and how do you make you feel when you wear it do you worry that people will know it's a wig or you just don't even care if they know it's a wig what what's the what's the whole experience of that
0: it was a transition for sure. So the very first time I wore a wig, I remember I had such a great time. It was bright blue bob, and I was in a Mardi Gras parade. It wasn't Mardi Gras proper. It was the week before, so a little bit less Mardi Gras, but still hardcore Mardi Gras in Louisiana. Oh. <laughs> How old were you? I, it was, was not very really long ago, maybe three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. So, your early 20s, um, late teens? 24. And I wore this bright blue bob wig because it matched my like galaxy wardrobe, which was the theme of our parade that we were in. And I loved it. I was having so much fun. I was checking myself out in the mirror. I was like, I look so cool. Like, this just totally changes my entire look. And I didn't have to do anything difficult. Um, and I was so, I was having a lot of fun. And then I hadn't really touched a wig for another year after that, but then I was starting to get really anxious at work. And my trichotillomania, my problem was starting to resurface to an unmanageable level again. And I was trying to figure out ways to sort of mitigate it. And uh, someone was like, well, why have you ever considered wearing a wig that way? Like you can't touch your hair (laughs) because there's something covering it. I'm like, no, I'd never thought of that. So I did some research and I uh, went to a wig shop that was most of their customers were people going through chemotherapy. So they had very high quality wigs. And I really wanted something that would last with daily use because I didn't want to have like a bunch of cheap wigs that I would just go through really fast. Yeah. And I I bought one, and I thought it was too fabulous for me because it was so beautiful. My friend was like, no, just go with it. You'll love it. And and he was right. (laughs) And uh, so I wore that one probably for a year. And then I just started expanding my collection. Some of them are cheaper, but you get the bright fun colors. And then I have like a couple of other ones that are more daily use that were appropriate for the work environment that I was in, that sort of thing.
1: What I love, too, I really, really appreciate the wigs. I feel like we need more sable in wigs posts, but I love the image of you that is part of your bio on your website because that is that is your real hair, and it's so you with the glasses. You're just an interesting mix of things. You're a math nerd, but you're a rock star, and and you – have this really bright, sociable personality that comes with anxiety. And so I love that your brand is based in who you are because you're able to serve from that place and you understand the risk that people feel they are taking when they put themselves out creatively in whatever way that may be. It may just be a wig for the day or it may be I actually want to front a rock band there's a whole spectrum but I feel like what you're doing serves at every point
0: thank you yes that's the goal even whenever I was doing music in high school and college with lessons teachers they were amazing teachers but uh, the approach to learning music for me was so high stakes that it it scared me away almost for a while and I stopped wanting to learn and share because it felt like there was so much pressure to be perfect and like do amazing things when all I wanted to do is enjoy myself with peers.
1: Yes. And I guess that's what I'm bringing it back around to. I shouldn't have said like, I didn't believe you about the anxiety, but it it came paired with, I want to front a rock band and I have this anxiety disorder. So I was thinking, well, first we have to deal with the anxiety disorder to be able to get on stage in front of rock bands. And so I thought that is mainly what what you and I would be working on. And then the quarantine happened, like you said, and it was so interesting to see you pivot. And now to me, it all looks very meant to be because you're building confidence. You're building an audience and a community. And so when it is safe to go back out into the world and perform on stage in a little club, with a lot of people sitting around, I feel like you're going to be really well prepared for that because of what you're doing right now.
0: That's definitely the goal. I still have the desire to be in a rock band. I don't know if I wanna be the lead singer. I have this like idea in my head that I want it to be two singers in the band and I'm one of the singers and we sort of trade off melodies and harmonize a lot. That's, I think, what I really wanna do. I like partnering. And I feel being a lead singer, like the single lead singer is just, it feels more exposed than when you're a partner with another person.
1: Yeah. And you're such a collaborative person. It's a natural, it's a natural fit for your personality. Yay. So we have to tell people that you play tuba and we should circle back on the math nerd thing because I'm really, (laughs) I'm really interested in the relationship between math and music. I know that there is one and I'm wondering if that's something that you think about.
0: Uh, Yeah, so uh, with math and music, just actually, I started off in college majoring in both music and math. And then I dropped music to a minor just for practicality purposes so I could graduate on time. I was just decent at both of those things going in. So I was like, well, I might as well just major in those because I didn't have any career plans. Just I like these things and this is what I will major in.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And uh, the classes for music that aren't performance-based are music theory, right? And so you're learning how to construct chords and progressions and then all of that that goes into it. And it's very logical, and there are rules. You can break the rules, but there are still rules to follow if you want to, like, make music that sounds decent to the modern ear. And... You could see the mathematical relationships in regards to chords specifically just based on physics and the frequency of sounds and how those frequencies line up amongst a chord
1: i'm thinking about magic because you're talking about frequencies and learning the rules and breaking the rules yes definitely and then in addition
0: to chord structure and melodies and then chord progressions like all of it is so if you go into the physics of it and the frequencies and how they align and how they transition. It's just so interesting and fascinating. I never got to dive deep into it, but uh, I started like a research project that I was trying to get a grant for around tuning systems, which would have required a lot of mathematical background in order to facilitate. (laughs) Mm.
1: Well, it's cool that you're interviewing people and that you're blogging, because you can kind of explore that in your own way and share that with your audience and bring somebody on who that's their thing and you can pick their brain about it and then have a really cool interview. Uh,
0: Yes, I I have a lot of friends from my college days who were music performers and a few of them were also interested. Most of them weren't, but a few of them were also interested in math and engineering. I was like, I got to get them on.
1: Mm -hmm. I remember when Math Rock had a moment. There was like a math rock thing that happened, I don't know, somewhere when the 90s was turning into the 2000s. Maybe it's always a thing, and I just noticed it around there. I was really young. (laughs) (laughs) You can bring back the math rock, Sable. (laughs) So do you feel that you have a sense of who you want to lift up, who you're doing this for, or is it something that you're doing, you're meeting a need maybe that you have and inviting people that feel a resonance with that to join in?
0: Yeah, I'm trying to fit a need for myself personally. uh, And that need was having the confidence to really share what I'm doing in a creative aspect, such as singing and writing a song. And I know that I've never written a song before, but I know the first time that I do it, it's probably not going to be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but I still want to share it with people. And I don't want to be crushed by, by a wave of criticism, uh, if that makes sense. So I oh, kind of want to create sense. this space for people to do that.
1: Oh, I love this. I love this. I'm so excited about what you're doing. And you're such a magical person. I see people connecting with you so prof- <laughs> Whoop, we got a dog. You warned oh, us. not know. <laughs> hey, that's the, is that the one that tries to make me sound like I'm farting when we're doing Zoom meetups? Because that is very rude. We need it to is. have a conversation. She's a groaner. She's just done it her entire life. <laughs> For people who don't know, we have a little mastermind group and her dog sometimes will show up and there was a day during the chat I like rose up from my chair and of course the dog was like like right at that moment and I was like it wasn't me it wasn't me it's Sable's dog what's her name her name is Athena oh yeah how can I ever forget that that's amazing that I
0: could forget that Athena it was funny too because I, I named her before I was even
1: interested in witchy things Yeah, isn't that funny how that works? Okay, so how do people find you if they they want to dive more into all of this? So
0: the website is findingthebeat.com, which I can't believe I got that domain name. I'm so excited.
1: Doesn't a lot of this feel kind of meant to be? It does. It feels very synchronistic. I think that's how you know when you're on the right track, no matter what your dream is. I feel like when the synchronicities start lining up that's a form of guidance and if you follow it your path is it becomes easier it becomes a smoother ride but even more than that it becomes more joyful it starts to be really fun I definitely agree I've been having a blast so far Mm -hmm. I think that's the piece that people are connecting with you around is you're just having a good time and that is contagious that is attractive Yay, I'm so glad. Everyone
0: also, I've been so surprised by the support I've been getting, but not only from the witchy community, but also from my my family and my friends. Everyone has been extremely
1: supportive. You are one of the easiest people ever to root for. That is why <laughs> we all want to see you succeed and do awesome things because it's so pure. It's so pure. It's coming from such a true place and and that's exciting. You know I'm going to ask you the same question I ask everyone. So let's see how prepared you are. What is your one tip for creating the kick-ass life of your dreams?
0: Oh, yeah. I had to think about it. So for me, what's really been transformative is finding a group of people who are proactively supportive of each other, not just reactively supportive. And what I meant by that is I'm part of your community, which is, keeping us accountable, but in a very uplifting way. So nobody's getting in trouble if they fall back. But at the same time, we're like, hey, have you done this? Are you you keeping on track with your goals? Or what can we do to help you? That sort of thing. So being a part of that community that's really proactively supporting each other
1: has been amazing. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And I love that it's giving birth to other little communities. Like it's not even little, like communities that will one day probably be much bigger like finding the beat will be its own community right and I can always have the bragging rights well guess what I knew her when you were the one who planted the seed (laughs) I planted that seed (laughs) (laughs) I predict lots of of beautiful fruits fabulous blooms and I can't wait to see in all the different directions that you grow in, and the people that you take with you as you're rising up, keeping with the tree analogy. Well, thank you so much. You see, she's awesome. Sable's awesome. If you have listened to some of the previous Patron of the Month interviews that I've posted here you might agree. They're all awesome. That's what I'm saying. That's why I decided to start doing this because it's not just the authors and the public speakers and the thought leaders of the world that are shining their light. And it's not just those people that are worthy of our attention. And respect, there are so many amazing people doing awesome things every single day, just living their lives, doing their thing. And I love amplifying voices like that. And I love showing you to yourself because I know you are all like that too. I hear from you all the time. You send me emails, you DM me on Twitter. (laughs) And I just know this is an amazing group of people whether you're on Patreon or you're just listening to the show and, and answering a newsletter every once in a while, I know who you are. I know who you are. And I hope you see yourself reflected in interviews like this. Much love to you. And until we meet again, peace.
0: This is just not a pet peeve. But I started building out my social media. And there is a social media handle that has been taken. Finding the Beat has been taken on everything. Oh. and it's specifically an independent film from like the early 2000s that is not active and hasn't been active for like eight years oh what about finding the beat with sable so i substituted the e and the with a three so it's finding th3 beat
1: hmm. that's very mathy of you yeah yes <laughs> Guess what? This is still recording. Maybe I'll fit this in somewhere.